Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Good morning, Rooftop Church. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim it upon the rooftops. You know, lots of churches have elementary pastors, elementary directors, but none of them have pastors and teachers quite like us that are able to speak without moving our lips. (laughs) We will have another video next week. No, I mean, that, that, that was, it wasn't a glitch. I mean, they, they, they were able to, oh, how are your day doing? <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I think I need to find another job. <laughs> okay, um, so we have a few announcements before we get started here. A couple of announcements here. Uh, first off. We have our leaders' worship and prayer night. This is the last Friday of the month at 7.30 here in the youth room. It will be a time to pray, to worship, to come before the Lord and pray about the plans that we have for this upcoming year. And that is for all the leaders. If you're a team leader, if you're a board leader, if you're a block leader, all the leaders. We sent out an email earlier this week. And so far right now, it's just Pastor Scott. I haven't signed up either yet. You know, if, if the other leaders don't sign up, I'm not going to sign up either, okay? So it's just going to be Pastor Scott here by himself. So, you know, we got we to gotta pull through, guys, okay? So uh, let's, let's respond to that email, letting us know that who can make it. And if you're able to, please do join us. We'll prepare some food. We'll have a great time of worship and prayer planned. Uh, second announcement is block sign-up. Blocks, actually, we have about half the church already signed up. Yay! Yay, yay, yay. Yeah, we have half the church signed up, and so we're just waiting on the other half to also sign up. So please, if you're able to sign up for Blocks as soon as possible, that way the host knows how many people will be attending their event or, or their home. Roman study. I was actually surprised for the Roman study. You know, I mean, as a Bible person, I love to read and and to get into the Word of God. But sometimes inductive studies aren't as popular, but not this one. We already have about 10 people signed up. And so I talked to Pastor Scott. If we get 20 people, he's going to buy us cocoa chicken. Okay? The whole group. Okay? (laughs) It could have been in my dream mentally, not physically yet, but... If we get 20 people to sign up, I'm sure he'll take us all out to go eat something really nice. Okay, it's on Zoom on Thursdays at 7.30 at night. So it's on Zoom. You don't have to drive anywhere. And we can have as many people as we want sign up for this study. So if you are interested in learning more about the Book of Romans, that will be on Thursday nights starting in October on Zoom. Uh, Fourth announcement. We have a lot of announcements today. Fourth announcement, CEM staff volunteer sign up. So the promo video that you saw earlier was to promote um, for more teacher volunteers. Um, The difference between a volunteer and a teacher is that the teachers are in charge of leading small groups. 
Um, so Casey or Pastor Casey will do the message, and then the kids break off into their own small groups. And so the teachers lead those small groups. And so they do have a pre-planned curriculum that tells you what to say and questions to ask and responses. And so everything's planned. We're just looking for more teachers to volunteer for the children's ministry. And I know as a parent or as an adult, it's kind of scary. For me, like preaching to kids is scary. Leading a small group for kids is scary. But I was thinking about this, okay? The bright side to volunteering is this. They give you a curriculum, they give you the questions to ask, and they give you what to say and what to do, right? It's just not doing that, but once you do it, I honestly believe that this will help every parent in order to learn how to communicate to our children, how to ask them questions, how to share our faith. Because as a parent, that's one of the things I struggle with. Like, how do I talk about Jesus to my kid? Like, he's nine. I, I don't know how to break down the language. And this is the perfect way to be trained on how to communicate issues of faith to kids, to your own kids. And so I see this as a tremendous win. So if you are able to, I highly encourage all of us to volunteer for children's ministry. It's kind of like Obamacare, okay? Obamacare, it was a, okay, I don't know where you guys fall on this spectrum, but in, in, it is a good idea, right? Healthcare for everyone is a good idea. The difficulty with it was that everybody had to sign up for it to work. And here's the thing, if everybody does sign up to be a teacher in the children's ministry, then you're only volunteering once or twice a year. I'm dead serious, it's like twice a year. That's how it works, okay? So it's Obamacare for children's ministry, okay? <laughs> so if you're able to, please do sign up. Final announcement, Fall Fest, October 22nd. Mark that on your calendars. October 22nd, I believe it's the fourth Sunday. Third or fourth Sunday. I think there's five Sundays in October. But that's at 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Fall Fest, Barnyard Bonanza. Oh, that's so beautiful. Okay, so bring your overalls. We know you still have it from the 90s. Uh, bring your, bring the, yeah, overalls. And come enjoy a time of celebration. Food, games, costumes. We have all kinds of delicious things prepared. There is a QR code, though. If you see the QR code. Yes. Um, if you look when you first walk in, there is a, a welcome card and a QR code on there. This is our QR code, too. We have one QR code, and everything is on there. Children sign up, Roman sign up, block sign up. So we've streamlined it and made it easy, okay? So this is our QR code to sign up, okay? So uh, at this time, uh, Pastor Scott will come up and deliver the message of God for us. Thank you for all these announcements. We are quite busy as we enter into the season of the fall. Uh, we hope to see more of you. We hope to grow together in this unique season of navigating through different challenges and, and events in our lives. So I, I do encourage you guys to participate. Um, Pastor Roland is unpredictable on the pulpit, so he's, making, he's announcing all kinds of promises that I have never made. So we need to check in with the HR on Tuesday, <laughs> which is me. <laughs> I am everything in this church. <laughs> all right, so for the past few weeks, we've been in this little mini-series called The Why, a Why, and... and 
uh, we wanted to understand some of the important values and practices of the Christian faith. And so the first week when we started this mini-series, we talked about why humility, and then we moved on to why sacrifice. Why so serious about sin? Why read the Bible? And today, I would like to speak to you about the topic of waiting. So today, the sermon title is, Why Wait? Would you just turn to your neighbors and say, hey, why wait? Why wait? And as you do so, as, you, uh, as I get your attention back to the front, uh, meet me in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40, verses 29 to 31 is what we are going to focus on. If you don't have the Bible with you, you can just refer to the screen ahead of you. And we are going to read just three verses together as we lead into the sermon portion of today's service. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. Let's read together in one voice. And this is a reading of God's word. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Let's read verse 31 again. You guys ready? Go. God, we thank you for calling each and every one of us to your house. God, we position ourselves such that that as we go through the next few minutes uh, reading your word, God, we pray not just um, understanding of what this passage conveys, but God, I pray that we may invite you to into our lives so that you may form our lives according to your perfect will. Some of us are broken. Some of us are tired. Some of us have been in place of discouragement. God, today we pray that hope that comes from you may be renewed in all of us. God, we pray for the infusion of new strength that is divine, that is heavenly. God, I pray for a time of encouragement, God. God, we pray for a time of renewal this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Man and his dog, it's a friendship as old as time. And the statement, dogs are men's, man's best friend, has truly stood the test of time. And there are so many different stories and tales of the loyalty of dogs to their owner. And none of these stories, though, quite surpassed the tale of Hachiko, the dog who continually waited for his owner to return home. So in 1923, this dog was adopted by a man named uh, Hidesaburo Ueno. Mr. Ueno was a college professor at the University of Tokyo. In 1923, this man adopted this dog and named him Hachi. Uh, Mr. Ueno and Hachi had a daily routine. Every single day without fail, when Mr. Ueno left his house, Hachi would accompany Mr. Ueno walking from their home all the way to the uh, train station located in Shinjuku City. And this was their daily routine. Without fail, rain or shine, snow or sunny, Mr. Ueno and Hachi would walk to the train station together. And as he would say goodbye, he would give the dog a big hug and he would be off to 
the university where he would teach at. And every day, if, when it was time for Mr. Ueno to return home, that's right, Hachi would, without fail, wait for him at the train station, quietly and gently sitting by the train station exit. This went on for a few years until one day, suddenly, Mr. Ueno was struck ill. While at work, he had a brain hemorrhage, and he died all of a sudden. Of course, this knowledge was not conveyed, or would the dog able to understand the human unpredictability, human life and death? Um, Hachi continued to come to the station every single day, waiting for his owner to return. And during that time, uh, all of the, the, the train station workers, all of the people that had befriended uh, the professor and the dog, uh, gave, them, gave him food, uh, at moments encouraged him to return home, but without fail, Hachi would every single day commit himself to come to this train station. For nine years, this continued. Every single day, this dog showed up to the train station. Until one day, Hachi grew too old, too weak, and the dog died at the train station, still while waiting for his owner to return. There's actually a movie about this incredible story of Hachi, uh, which my family and I watched last night. Just a word of uh, warning, don't watch it if you don't want to cry. Um, we thought, actually I knew, but I kind of coaxed my uh, family to th uh, thinking that it was a cute movie about a family life and that. Because, you know, they, my, my family doesn't like to get emotional, but I'm all about emotional movies. Come somebody with me. So I kind of knew about it. I watched the trailer. I, read, I knew the story, but they had no idea. I mean, it was just a messy softness. I, I had not seen my son. I mean... <laughs> Maybe talk to my son. I, I thought, man, what is going on? <laughs> my wife was that. I mean, there was just, just really, again, I, I, I advise you guys, watch it your own peril of whatever you guys are ready to do. Um, but, but there's something so powerful about waiting. There's something so powerful about this act, act of waiting that tugs at the human heart. It's the ultimate display of your love, and it's the ultimate display and the test of your faith. But waiting could also be quite painful. Perhaps, in my humble opinion, that's why it's so powerful. Because while you are waiting, it requires every part of you to believe. It requires every part of you against all laws to not give up. Even when you're tired, even when you're broken, even when you feel like you shouldn't show up. And we're all fascinated. We are all moved deeply as it tests us, as it pushes us into moments of powerful emotions. During that time, during the period of waiting, you may feel sadness. You can, you can even feel confused. In the moments of your waiting, frustration arises. You may be discouraged. When the waiting persists, 
You could, always, you could also find yourself in anger. You could also find yourself in the person you, you're waiting for. There's also this thing called resentment. When the answer does not come in appropriate time, and the waiting persists, we could have all of these powerful emotions riling up inside of us. Perhaps for some of us, that waiting is in the form of a relationship. Maybe for some of us in this room, that waiting is in the form of reconciliation. Maybe that waiting is in the form of being reconciled in the relationship between husband and wife. Maybe between family members. Perhaps some of us, that waiting, the pain and the the anxiety of waiting comes from expecting a child or waiting for, to conceive. Maybe some of us, that pain and the agony of waiting is felt as you're waiting for a breakthrough in your career. And lastly, maybe some of us, that pain and the agony of waiting may be experienced in the way that we are raising our children. Waiting for a kid to turn a corner. Waiting for a kid to make a progress. Just, an, just one more encouraging sign so that we don't have to live in this constant anxiety anymore. And I began to think about this concept of waiting, this act of waiting in light of my faith. First of all, why do we wait so much? Why does life, why does your life and my life consist of so much waiting? And I thought, God, we as people of God, We should be waiting less. I said, God, we belong to you. God, we have a good God. God, the last time I checked the word of uh, the Bible, the Bible declares with, with complete affirmation that we belong to God. God, that's this means we are your possessions. God, we are your children. And if you love us, And this is just, again, my own personal reflection. God, I should be exempt from long waiting. I understand that I'm going to wait, God. I'm going to be a good boy. But God, the length of waiting, I don't have to wait. I, I shouldn't have to wait so long. Because, again, shouldn't there be any, shouldn't there be some kind of benefit That if we belong to you, God, your caring, your provision, and your love for us sustain us and leads us to shorter amount of wait. So today, we want to know more about why we should wait on the Lord. Today, to begin, uh, let's explore our main text. I had just read, we have just read together in Isaiah chapter 40. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah came into the scene while the nation of Israel, Israel is God's chosen nation, God's chosen people. So there was a promise, there was a protection, there was a level of favor that always clouded over the nation of Israel. But during this particular time, they would be under the captivity of the very powerful nation called Babylon. And during the 70 years or so, God brings this word. God brings his prophecy. And, 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 and it's a wonderful word of promise. But during that time, 
people of God are confused. The people of God are kind of terrified and kind of annoyed by that they are yet again ruled by another nation, meaning they're living their lives as what? As slaves. They don't have rights. They don't have a land that belongs to them. They're having to be told what to do by a whole new, a whole different nation. So during that time, the patience is wearing thin. I mean, we talk about waiting. You know, some of us, are, we're, not, we're not that old, right? Some, most of us are in their 30s, some of us 40s, some of you really young people in their 20s. So when we talk about waiting, we're not having to wait that long. But the nation of Israel, they had to wait 70, 80 years. During that time, they're losing hope. There is no certainty that their lives would be better in due time. And this is uh, some of the things that they were saying. In verse 27, this is what the nation of Israel were saying. My way is is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. My way is hidden from the Lord, and my rights are disregarded by God. Pay pay attention to what is being said by the Israelites here. Do we sometimes, while we're waiting, we feel like we are not seen by God. We feel like God is ghosting us. God is ignoring us. And it says, my rights, what I should be entitled to, God has completely disregarded what is my portion. And then the word of encouragement, the word of promise comes through prophet Isaiah that begins with this. He says, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. It's an interesting word choice here by Isaiah. The word wait, and I looked through several different translations. I I looked through different um, possible interpretations of that word. That word wait is synonymous, or that could be replaced with another word, which is hope. Then I began to ponder the connection between these two words, waiting and hoping. The words wait and hope. In this passage, in the Hebrew language, it literally, the literal translation is this. One's being expectant of God. One's who are expecting of God or one's who are expecting from God. When you think of that phrase, it nuances neither positivity or negativity. The word of waiting implies neutral result. But it's interesting why we get the word hope. The word hope, there's a sense of what? Positive outlook. In fact, the Google Dictionary uh, defines the word hope as this. A feeling of expectation or desire for something to happen. A feeling of trust. Now, the word hope conveys positivity because the one whom we are expecting, expectant of, if we are trusting of that person's character and nature, then that allows us, that gives us the positivity and the outlook that is to come. We are expectant of an outcome. 
But because if it's from you, because of I'm waiting on you, that outlook is positive. Does that make sense? This is why the Bible says in, in Isaiah 28, 16, this is why it says, those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Those who wait upon the Lord, those who are expectant from God, will never be put to shame, will never be disappointed. I know then that in the course of our short lives, there are many moments where we can think of we have been disappointed. We are far more often disappointed by people that we love and care about. We are disappointed by the relationships that we have. We are disappointed by the outcomes when we pursue certain things. But the Bible radically pronounces that if we wait upon the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will never, ever be disappointed. And so this is an important word for you and me, this act of waiting, this concept of waiting, and how that relates to hope. Waiting and hoping. And I and would love to share the, the, the connections between these two words. And let me refer to Romans chapter 5, where let's see what Paul says about the concept of hope. And I'm going to just read for us here in verse 3. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. He's quoting prophet Isaiah here. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Paul is now vividly describing the harsh reality of Christians back in the day. Life was tough, but life was particularly tougher for Christians. They had to um, face physical persecutions. Their livelihood, not just the wellness of their lives, but also their lives in itself were not guaranteed. So Paul is conveying the reality of just the harshness of their lives. And Paul is encouraging them. Paul provides a roadmap that one person, a person of God or Christian to go to the place of hope. He's basically conveying their road, there's a roadmap. You don't just jump to hope. You don't just get to hope. But it says it begins with tribulations. Then tribulations leads to persevering. That persevering leads to proving of your character and your will. Then that leads to hope. The first word is tribulations. Remember, you can't get to hope with the presence or the reality of tribulations. Tribulations, that word, um, again, the literal translation is a confined or constricted or pressured space. So when we are talking about tribulations, think of yourself in a uh, very tight space. How many of you guys have ever done an escape room? Like a group activity, a lot of companies do these, these days, and you have to figure out. And I've done it once, I actually have done it twice, I will never do one of these again. First of all, I don't, I don't like using my brains, and, and they, they give you a time limit. You have to figure things out. That's already stressful. But isn't it funny that escape rooms, they put you in a very small room. 
the first one that I did had a bunch of locks. Like if you need a vi- visual, visual reminder of like panic, you go to an escape room. Some of you guys love it. I, I don't get it. Think of yourself. Paul is saying you're in a constricted space. And not only that, not, not only the space that you're occupying is small and tight, but the walls are enclosing you are closing in tighter and tighter and tighter. And that's the nuance that Paul is describing. Your life is going to be very tough. Your life will be filled with difficulties and tribulations where you feel the immense pressure. You question if you want to continue to live in the space that you are in. It's causing you a tremendous amount of pressure and distress and panic. But Paul says, when you are in that circumstance, when you face a difficulty in your life, he says, what you have to do now is you have to persevere. And I love Google. I don't even have to open up my dictionary. I don't even have a dictionary. So I Google the definition of perseverance. And this is what it says. Steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Perseverance simply means you do not give up. Whatever it is that you're committed to the journey of, you do not quit. I'm a pastor, so I have to throw some Greek at you. That word perseverance in the Greek language is actually a composition of two separate words. One preposition and one noun. It, one verb. It's actually to, to under, hupo, under, menon, which is to remain, to reside. Or we see this word pop up a lot in John 15, remain in me, abide in me. That's the word menon. To persevere is what? Under, remain. Meaning to persevere means, let's say you're surrounded by a circumstance. You are in a scene. Maybe it's raining on you. Oh, it's coming. But to persevere means to position yourself such that whatever is happening, you remain in the same spot. To persevere. You don't move. So when you think about perseverance, there's a little bit of stubbornness in this. That dog Hachi was a little stubborn. When we think of the act of waiting on God, when we think of the act of persevering in our faith, there's a display, there's a display of not only faith, but strong resolve. Not everyone is good at persevering. But if your one is committed to persevering, you are enduring the pain. When you're persevering, you're not giving up no matter what. The, the, the greatest comp that I can give in persevering is, um, you know, when you exercise. How many of you guys know planking? When you plank. Planking is not of God. <laughs> planking is what would be done in hell for eternity. I hate planking. Like 30 seconds in, I'm already questioning, like, why did I start this again? Like 40 seconds, that's my limit, guys. 40 seconds, your whole body shakes. And you're like shaking. 
And whether you want it or not, whether you're someone who gets hot or not, you begin to sweat from right here. Sweat beats form. And if you happen to succeed beyond one minute, one minute, 15 seconds, which is my absolute max, then like you're shaking, you're questioning, everything's shaking. Persevering is the display of, you know what? I'm, I know it's hard, but I am not going anywhere. Paul says, when the restrictions come, when the constriction happens, when the tribulations come, when the difficulty comes, when there's no change in your circumstance, he says, persevere. Remain in that place. And he says, when you persevere, you are tested of your character. You're fortified in your faith. And he says, now, then, you get to the place of hope. For Paul, hope is not something that is freely given to you. I want you guys to know something today. Hope is not a spiritual gift from God. Hope is not also an attribute you go out and you just get. It's not something that you just tack onto yourself. I believe hope is earned. Hope is tested. Hope is merited by your response in the harshness of your circumstances that you are in. This is what I came up with. Hope is your willful response to continue to persist in regardless of your harsh circumstances. So you are in a tight spot. You are constricted, but you are persistent. You are patient. You remain under. You don't go anywhere. You fight it head on. As a result of being tested as you remain under, you become strong. When you become resilient and strong, you are allowed to be expectant of a positive outcome because of your faith and your love in God. Let me go back to Isaiah chapter 40 here. Yet those who wait for the Lord, I'm going to now change the wording, yet those who hope in the Lord will gain new strength. I like to, I like to compare different versions. And I found the version of that passage. It says, those who wait upon the Lord will be renewed in their strength. Will be renewed. Will be made strong again. Which highlights the notion that he's talking to people. He's talking to people that were once strong. Isaiah is referring to people. These people were not always hopeless. These people were not always what is it? Sappy. These people were not always sad. These people were not always grim when they considered the future. So Isaiah is bringing these people, the people of God, bringing back to the place of health and restoration. Remember when you used to feel? Remember what you thought of when you thought about the future? Your future was filled with happiness, joy, power, strength. It says, if you hope in the Lord, God will renew you in the strength that you had once 
known. And they will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. And they shall walk and not become weary. We see what? We see the flying. We see the running. And we see the walking, the slow walking. Interesting too. When we think of flying, running, and walking, it's, con- it's kind of counterintuitive of the natural progression of human motion. When we think of flying, we have to first walk. When we learn to walk, we run, walk faster, we run. And we think if we run fast enough, actually, we used to think that we could fly. But isn't it interesting when Isaiah is describing our walk, our spiritual journey with God, it's actually the opposite. And I think it's so interesting When we first met Jesus, did we not think like we could fly? Weren't we not soaring for like, you know, the spiritual high that we had? We're like, oh, God. And then the reality hit. We're definitely not in the sky. We're definitely not flying, but we're like running. We're trying our best, but that gets tiring too. And we end up just walking. Some of us just crawling, barely making. But I think that's more indicative. I think Isaiah was onto something. The goal is for you is to walk. And every time the Bible conveys of this intimate relationship with God, the people of God are always walking. What are you waiting for today? Have some of you, have have you been waiting for something? Have you been praying for something Have you prayed for something and God has not yet replied to you? Have you been wanting something? Have you been waiting for God to move on your behalf? It just has not happened yet. And has that waiting been very long? Have you found yourself in discouragement? Do you find yourself lacking in joy? Do you find yourself at moments resenting God? In your point of waiting, do you find yourself comparing more often with people? And there's less and less joy. Today, I pray that in your waiting, that your strength may be renewed, that your commitment to be have uh, believing and trusting in God may be renewed. And Winston Churchill, uh, Churchill, one of the uh, greatest leaders that we have seen in the last century, he, he once said this, if you are going through hell, keep going. And I love that. How many of us in the recent months, you have felt that your life is a little bit like hell. And it sounds really harsh, but in the, on the best day, you're like, man, I'm just having a bad, bad day. But on your worst day, you feel as though, man, why me? Why not yet, God? Life stinks. There's no joy. There's no desire. 
you're not even sure if you're going to make it through. May I implore you today, may I bring this encouragement from the Lord. If you are going through hardships, if you are going through well, may you be encouraged to continue walking, continue plowing. Why? Because God is not done with you. Even in the moments where we feel like letting go of God, God will never, ever let go of you. He is committed to you. He is still writing your story. Your story is not done. Don't make conclusions. Don't be conclusive about the work that God has just began. You're in Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, but far from the final act. Amen? And another encouragement, I added this last minute. No, no, come on up. It's okay. And I think there's also um, uh, another element, and I've just shared with you that the strength of our faith is really determined during the course of waiting. You know, the beauty of faith is defined what people of God do in moments and seasons of waiting. And I also thought about, we are a church that is committed to make an impact in the world that is for both now and eternity. And I realized, we as people of God, we are never better witnesses than when we maintain our commitment to the Lord in the midst of our trials. We are never better witnesses in what we do while we wait for God when we are expectant of God in the midst of harsh reality. There hasn't been a breakthrough yet. There's no change. Life still stinks. Life is still difficult. But in those moments when the people of God persevere, when the people of God are reminded of what Jesus Christ himself endured on the cross, sometimes we forget when we say, God, it's not fair. We forget that Jesus did exactly what we accuse him of have never been through. Jesus endured the cross. God himself waited. God himself persevered. God himself chose to get himself involved because Jesus Christ himself endured the cross. And he sets a model for you and me. And in moments when we feel like giving up, Jesus says, son, daughter, you can do it. Because I had done it. And my power is in you. I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you alone. Remember, the blood of the overcomer runs deeply in you. Son, my daughter, 
don't give up. Let's pray. God, we're just going to be honest today. We're just going to be real and tell you that life is very difficult. We are not seeing the breakthrough that we have been wanting to see. God, there hasn't been a satisfying answer to the question we've been asking for the past 24 months. Why not? Why not yet? God, why not me? And God, we continue to persist. God, we continue to wait in the same place. May you come upon your people and your beloved. God, breathe in strength. Empower empower your children today, God. Jesus, come. We open up our hearts right now so that you may do whatever it is that you please. Come, Holy Spirit. Just do that right now. From where you are, friends, just pray. You know, Daniel alluded to this earlier during worship. There, I feel like there is a prayer that you have been praying repeatedly in this season. It's not many things, but that one thing continues to shadow over you. I want you to lift that up unto the Lord right now and surrender to God. Say, God, this is yours. God, I'm going to trust you. I choose to trust you. I choose to persist. I choose to wait. Come on, pray that right now, friends. Yeah.